freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, not going to waste any time. Going to right into around the NFL before Jeff Passon joins us at 8.30 this morning just because we got all these cuts, Brock, and there's so much good sound. We already played the Sean Payton one a couple of times, but uh, let's go through some of these others. Shannon Sharp was getting after Zach Wilson, who, as you know, is now the starting quarterback in uh, New York. Again, here's Shannon. I mean, the dude couldn't play day in the horror movie. I mean, how many times, how many scenes did you need to see? I mean, I've seen, I've seen all of the Friday 13ths. I've seen all the, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy can't play dead. Yeah, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw can't play dead in a horror movie. That's not very nice. So he's wow. torching Zach Wilson. Here's the thing I found funny yesterday, and I wanted your thought on this. Aaron Rodgers says he's going to try to come back, right, for the playoffs, Super Bowl, something like that. If Zach Wilson gets them all the way to that point... All the way to the Super Bowl or the NFC or the AFC Championship game or whatever, you're mm-hmm. going to take him out at that point and bring in Aaron Rodgers, who's played four plays. What? Well, the only way they're going to get there is if their defense does what Pittsburgh did last night, and that's you know score a couple touchdowns a game. I mean, Zach just unfortunately that's like the worst place he could have gone. That market, the 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 eyes there, and now it's even elevated that much more with Aaron having been there mm-hmm. and expectations raised and a head coach that doesn't like Zach threw him under the bus multiple times <laughs> just and doesn't like him. It's just a bad deal. But he's going to have that much success, get them all the way to the playoffs and then they're going to bench him? No. I don't know, man. That one's hard for me to fathom. I just don't see how all of that comes Isn't around. Isn't it amazing how just one year, you fall in love with one year of college. Right? First year not not so good there. Had to compete actually for the job mm-hmm. even in that year with Jaron Hall or whatever that guy's name like and then he has one unbelievable year with really good talent like, I don't know, Puka Nakua, who's a pretty good player. And, sheesh, you take him and just overdraft what him. And just what yeah. a bad deal. Speaking of guys that uh, don't seem to be panning out, young quarterbacks, and this is a guy that I have been, well, like, thought was going to be great. Yep. It's not looking so good right now for Justin Fields. And then after the game Sunday, I don't know that this was the best way to handle things, not being a thumb guy. I mean, I've, I didn't see, like, every detail of the play. You know, I, I saw Khalil open, and then I'm guessing he just reacted back. He felt, you know, screen. And um, went back and, of course, picked it up. So, but, I mean, yeah, in that situation, it's tough because, you know, um, if you call it a deeper pass, you don't want to drive back in the end zone and uh, potential to take a safety. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's a tough spot uh, regarding play calls, you know, for, for Luke in that position. So, um, you know, he went with his gut and, you know, number seven ended up making a good play. So, hey, it is what it is. It's not like the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't want to go in on it worse than it should. It's not like he was like, well, the play caller's an idiot, so what am I going to do? He didn't say that. He was trying to almost make an excuse for the play caller, Mm -hmm. but probably not the best idea to even Mm -hmm. bring it up. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Can't, can't, can't do that. Mm. Don't have equity to do that. Don't have the success behind to do that. You just, you can't, you just can't do that. There's a theory that I saw floated by uh, my friend Matt Spiegel in Chicago that what they're trying to do with him right now is find out whether or not he can throw. 
that yeah. that that basically let him throw the ball because yes, you could have more success as Moore is brought up with him running around. You could you could be better right now letting him run around. And but use that's his not legs. sustainable. But it's not sustainable, and so either find out now that he can pass. Or that he can't and stink it up so badly that you're in running for one of the other quarterbacks at the end of this year. Okay, you want a tangent to uh, to Justin Fields? Is G still in the backup studio there? Yeah, he's there. Oh, he is? Okay. G may bobble his head and nod it, or he may just go, uh-uh. I'll, I'll give you a play-by-play. Okay, but I'm going to tell you right now, three names that are going to be in the NFL in the next three years. Next three years, three names are going to be in the NFL, I think. Steve Sarkeesian, head coach. Lincoln Riley, head coach. Ryan Day, head coach. I think Ryan Day is that good of a schemer. He's kind of nodding along. And he, like, and, yeah, like he doesn't want to agree, but he kind yep. of agrees. And he's got all these QBs that have all been first-round picks. Dwayne Haskins, first-round pick. Justin Fields, first-round pick. C.J. Stroud, the highest in the history of Ohio State at the number two pick. And do you look at Ryan's system? It's very good. There's a lot of open receivers. There's a lot of opportunity. Got to see it first and, and foremost. Got to watch it up close and personal. Got to study it. And those three guys, if this is an, an NFL that wants continued offensive minds, and oh, by the way, a lot of head coaching experience amongst those three, so it wouldn't be elevating a, co- a coordinator from somewhere. Sark? Really? Sark's going to be in the NFL? So, I don't read the internet, guys. I don't know, man. That one's, that one's going to be hard for me to swallow a little bit. All right, that's All a good right. tangent, though. Uh, let's continue our little trip through the NFL. Another quarterback having some issues with the blame game, perhaps. Now, I heard that this was not the way that the whole thing went, but here's some Mac Jones following the Patriots falling to 0-2. Definitely got to play better and learn from it and, you know, be here early and leave late and do it together. I think that's the biggest thing. It's If a couple guys are doing it, it's not good enough, clearly. So uh, we got to put put more into it, and we'll get more out of it. Ooh, ooh. So Justin Fields, a little shot at the OC. That one, a little shot at your teammates. Don't know if that works real well. It's funny because I, 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 unsolicited, I was talking to my parents last night, and they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, Patriots lost again. But, wow, Matt Jones was so t- oh, like, took all the responsibility himself. Like, that's the narrative that had been sort of built. I don't know if yep. this speaks to it, or maybe he's got enough equity to pull that off. I don't know. Or maybe this is his last kind of opportunity to do that. Right. Like, I'm not going to go down with guys not working like I'm working. Mm-hmm. So they may not like it. But you know what? I've taken so many arrows here. I've had to follow in the in, in the footsteps of the greatest player ever. And you know what? I'm not going to blame Bill. I'm not going to blame the organization. I'm now going to challenge my teammates. He hasn't and- been great, but he, considering he's following Brady... He's done a decent the job. The O-line is pretty bad right now. Give him now. a little bit of credit. I'll give that guy a he's little the, bit of credit. He has got the most average stuff. Right. And I said this coming out of the draft. Like, take him at two? What are you talking about? All these people, oh, yeah, Shane is going to take him at three. Like, he, his stuff, his arm, when you just watch the velo, if, yeah, you, if they had the same, at, no. Yeah. So he gets the most out of what he has. I have some more here on Matt Stafford, et cetera, but I, I'm going to call it uh, okay. and say that's our quick trip around the NFL. But I, I started off at 6 a.m. kind of pointing out some of these issues, whether it's Mac Jones or the Trey Justin Lance disaster Fields. or Justin Fields or even the first couple of starts for Bryce Young. Like, does it make you think differently about Geno Smith, who didn't look great in week one, bounced back, looked awesome in week two, and kind of where you're going next with Geno, who you've got for a couple of more years? Do you feel strongly enough that you're ready to just put more and more pieces around Geno? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like this is your opportunity to kind of have your cake and eat it too, take somebody in the first round this year and have them and Geno? 
for another year or so. I mean, it's they, the, op, yep. the, the this is going to be a big conversation. Well, we the nice thing for, for right you, now. unlike the two hundred fifty million Cleveland guaranteed Deshaun Watson, that's right, and all of the the value that those teams took in those QBs, you did not. And even your contract, as I've said, was an absolute grand slam. That if Geno is right and Geno's awesome, then Geno's here, and Geno gets paid. Then and Gino gets paid, and he gets a, and a bump that he w- is absolutely deserving of. And if he's not, then you can pivot in any number of different directions. So, yeah, well done. Good stuff. That's a good trip around the NFL. Thank you, Maura, for putting all of that together. That's some awesome sound. And, yes, the Sean Payton one is even better, but we just played it twice right beforehand. And you know what? I'll play it again in Need to Know next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Oh, man, was it good to just see the Mariners win a game last night. I know it's against the A's, and no one's going to start saying they're a World Series team because they beat them, but they needed to win that game. They needed to get back into the win category after the sweep over the weekend. And, of course, it was all the big guns that got it done, all the expected guys. Brian Wu going five shutout innings and getting the offense from their second baseman. Here's Jose Caballero with a swing and a drive. Deep to left field, going and going, and goodbye baseball. Jose Caballero just clobbers one. He sure did, man. That ball was absolutely torched. But you know who my favorite uh, hit of the day was from? It was nice to see Gino get a hit. Obviously, that was a big deal. I like seeing Luis Torrens back, man. I was saying it to yep. Jerry last week. Yep. And since he's been back on the roster, he's come up with a couple of big hits. 2-2. Two, two. Pit swung on. Line drive, left field, base hit. Down the line. Cabby scores easily. Torrens out of the box hard. Into the corners. Kemp to dig it out. Luis Torrens, an RBI double, and the Mariners now lead 4 nothing here in the sixth. I don't love Luis Torrens as your starting catcher. Kind of like Luis Torrens as your backup catcher, especially yep. hitting lefties and that yep. little inside-out swing he's got. Dude, he can hit a little bit. Uh, yes, that was a blast to see. A few days ago, we were in an NFL season. Last time Jerry was on with us, I think it was, hey, 16 to go. The old NFL season. Well, now, now it's a college season. Now it's 12 to go. And I ask you. Do they get to 90 wins? Can they get to 90 wins as they did to back years? Got to go 8-4. 8-4, and four. Eight and four, I mean? Got to go 8-4. and four. And as you just start to do this math of what is looming, right? Seven of those against Texas, three against Houston. These last two in Oakland, the Rock tonight on the Hill. You do the math, and it becomes very clear. Win these next two, and then go 6-4. and four. Uh, you win these next two, you go 6-4, and four, you win 90 games, yeah, you're going to be that, in the playoffs. That's your best way to do it. But to be honest, Brock... Lose one of the next two, you know, win the series in Oakland and go seven and three. Not versus, impossible. Versus Texas. Not gonna be easy. Might be even better. But that definitely puts you in the in the in the dance. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Anyway, they gotta stay hot. Uh in the middle of the lineup, Gino and Teo both had pretty good nights last night, which was great. And in the meantime, the other teams are just imploding in their own ways, mostly with the bullpen. The Rangers blew another save last night. Rob Refsnyder crushes uh, Will Smith, so they lose. And then the Astros, man, it looked like they had won that game three different times, and the Orioles just kept coming back. Cedric Presley, Mullins. Presley, right? They're closer? Oh, yeah. Cedric Mullins with a huge three-run bomb to win it 8-7. So, yeah, 12 to go. Luis Castillo gets it going in Oakland tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, you mentioned it now a few times. Jamal Adams is going to be full speed in practice this week, which is great. And if he's 
perfect and comes through it no problems and maybe we could even see him in the game on Sunday at the very least you'd hope you'd see him next week uh, Pete yesterday pretty encouraging on Tariq Woolen said that he was in some pain but didn't seem to be too serious I would think DK Metcalf's going to be pretty sore as well but the big takeaway from Pete a lot happier this week than he was a week ago and took a lot of the blame himself it's way 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 better <laughs> forget what happened uh, the, other, the other time we, but we had this chance with so many elements to this thing that, that made this a, a special opportunity um, because of all the buildup and because of their, their success and their hype and their, and, and their win, you know, the big win on the road and all that kind of stuff, er, er, all of those things. And we're at the other end of the spectrum of it going into this thing with everything to gain, and our guys totally responded. I mean, the effort throughout the day, all phases, the, um, the belief that we we're going to win the game throughout all phases, no matter what, had a blast talking through Pete about an hour ago, right? If you miss any of Salk and I, you can always podcast us as well and find it on any of those platforms. Enjoyed that conversation. I did too, yeah. And and I'm, I am just curious as, as I listen to Pete right there, and I'm reminded, right? We all have trade offs. We all do things better or worse. Pete's teams over 14 years play so much better with a chip on their shoulder, and not an imagined one, not a phony one, not one that we've that's contrived. Like a legitimate count me out. Go ahead, tell me I can't do it. Go ahead and tell me I can't play. Start the season six and three last year. And then, well, handling expectations gets a little tougher, right? Coming into the season. Tell me I'm the worst, or last year, tell me I'm the worst in the league. 31st roster. Okay, I'll come out and start fast. This year, oh man, they've closed the gap. Hey, they may beat this for the 49ers. Yeah, you know, this team has seemed to get a lot of talent and just came out, in his words, overhyped, mm-hmm. overexcited, overemotional, and could not sustain in that first game. But boy, did they, did they ever in game number two. Here's the third thing you need to know. Not the prettiest set of games last night, but it was a Monday Night Football doubleheader. A little credit to the Saints. They get to 2-0, and and they beat the Panthers. I don't know how good New Orleans look, but Carolina, their offense looks not right, that's for sure. And Bryce Young has not had a great start to his young career, although obviously a lot still left in there. Uh, their defense pretty good, though, and that'll be an interesting challenge. The Seahawks host the Panthers on Sunday. Steelers beat the Browns. Physical game, but what the heck is going on with Deshaun Watson? I mean, the Nick Chubb, ugly injury. I don't want to see it, talk about it really much at all. But what is going on with Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's hard to see. It's hard to see who he is and who he's become and put it in context with the guy that he appeared to be at Clemson. First, all of the allegations, the suspension, etc. I mean, it presents a very ugly picture of who he is as a person. And then watching him now stink up the joint. 22 of 43 turnovers, two 15-yard roughing penalties on a quarterback, and pushing a referee. I just... what has happened to that guy? He would have been a guy, in retrospect, that should have done the QB documentary this year. Like if they, if they, if they, if he had and his agent, anybody had kind of head on their shoulders, say, hey, look at what it did for, for Kirk and and, and for Mahomes. Not, not that he needed any more praise, but if you're Deshaun Watson and you truly change and you're, you you want to live in in a certain light and way, let the cameras in and follow you because right now he just looks unhinged. You know, said the last hour, I can't ever remember, yeah, ever in my life, never seen it. A, a QB scrambling around, grabbing a guy's face mask, trying to rip his head off, like. I kind of like that. Kind of like that out of my DN. Twice. I don't know if I like that out of my quarterback. Twice. Meanwhile, speaking of quarterbacks having some issues, apparently we're back to the old wristband debate in Denver. We're, we're late with personnel. Getting out of the huddle, we took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. We got to be better, and 
I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with, with getting it, getting the play out. And then we got to look at how much we have in, but, um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. No, oh, that doesn't sound great. They are calling the beginning of the Sean Payton era an unmitigated disaster so far, and things don't seem to be too much better for Russ, even though he's playing better. Nothing Nathaniel Hackett could laugh because they had a tough one, and Wilson threw three picks, Zach. And, but remember Sean just torching him about yeah. getting plays in and handling plays and the play clock and the worst coaches ever. They go down, by the way, the Broncos do, to Miami as underdogs this week. Red Hot Miami. Miami's got the best offense in the league right now, by far. Start 0-3. Yeah, that would be pretty rough. He's going to be getting some shoes. All right, that is is everything you need to know. We do a quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. All right, uh, Jeff Passan's going to come join us here in a moment as the AL West teams are limping their way towards October. Who's the fastest of them? I don't know. We'll find out with Jeff next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Limping, Brock. That's the way I would describe this AL West race to the finish. All three teams limping to try to get there first. We'll see who... It's like the end of uh, the first Terminator where Arnold just kind of keeps coming and he's crawling. or just like... I don't know. I guess he's still dangerous, but that's sort of where all three teams are at. Jeff Passan, ESPN, joining us now as he does every week. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, sir. How are you? We're good, but this race is just crazy. It just feels like all three teams, Rangers, Astros, Mariners, all with their own various ailments, whether they're physical or just you know how they're playing, just limping towards the finish line here. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure what to take away from this other than none of them look like World Series contenders right now, right? Like I I mean I hate to say it, but with the Mariners, um you saw what a World Series contender looks like this weekend. And it looked like there was one on the field and it looked like there was a team that was wiping the floor with and uh, listen, baseball in October is a different beast. So what we saw from the Dodgers against the Mariners could completely be flipped if they were to play three more games or seven more games as it would be. But uh, the, the Mariners over the weekend did not look like a team that's going to be contending for a title this year. No, and, and it's funny because honestly, neither have the Astros or Rangers. And it, and it seems to right. be the same thing for all three teams and with two of them, that shouldn't be a huge, huge surprise. One of them it is. It's the bullpen. I mean, I, I just I look yeah. at the Mariners' bullpen over the course of the last two, three weeks. It went from being their ultimate strength to right now their biggest weakness. Yep. The Mariners should theoretically have the best bullpen of any contender in the American League right now, right? Like if if we just if we just look at it objectively, like the Orioles. Uh, have been good, um, but losing Felix Bautista and probably not getting him back this season hurts. Uh, the Rays, you know, I, I guess the Rays always have a good bullpen, and they are coming off a streak where they didn't give up an earned run over 36 innings. So maybe it is the Rays, but certainly better than the Rangers and the Astros and, and better than the Twins, too, and uh, the the Blue Jays oddly have been the ones outside of the race with the best performing bullpen. And I, I didn't see that one coming. I just, I don't know. I, how much did you trust Gabe's fire? 
Like, did, I know he got off to a great start this year. How much did you deep down really trust him? I mean, Gabe Spire, actually, it's funny. We were kind of going through our trust meter, our faith meter earlier on this Mariners pen. Matt Brash has been unbelievable from start to finish. He's, he's unbelievably he's, he's, good. He, he's, he's a top five reliever in baseball right now. I believe that. Well, he certainly has top five stuff, and when he commands it, yeah. he is right there. I, I would agree with you, and, and I love the and way they've used and him. That's, that's the thing. I was, I, I was, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this because I think I posted it probably like right when you guys were were starting the show. But uh, I have my awards, uh, and these are not like MVP or Cy Young. These are these are like the passing awards, mm. and one of them one of them was nastiest pitch, and there are like ten Matt Brash candidates in there. I mean, it's absurd. There was, you know, there was the one against Fernando Tatis. Um, there was the the nutmeg on Willie Castro. Um, How about the I mean, Jose Ramirez in, in, like, the first game yeah, of the season? Yeah, Jose Ramirez, you know, like, taking a perennial MVP candidate and pretzeling him. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it was interesting, though. You, I, I did my nastiest pitch of the year was from a Mariners pitcher, and it was not Matt Brash. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of candidates. You remember, there's a lot of candidates do you here. Rem- do, do you remember the slider that Justin Topa threw to Whit Merrifield that was three feet off the plate and got a swing on it? No, I think I don't mm-hmm. remember that one. Mm-hmm. I got to go back. <laughs> You got to go look at the story. It's on ESPN Plus now. Matt, uh, Justin Topa, who, you know, God, like, God bless Justin Topa. I, I respect the guy who, at 32 years old, is really getting his first shot in the big leagues. I mean, he had like 18 innings, a few cups of coffee before coming up this year, but this is his first real opportunity. Uh, and is absolutely taking advantage of it and has been nasty all year long. And I'm curious, where is he? on your Mariners reliever. Tied for second. Uh, confidence. He's, he's tied, tied for second. second with Munoz and kind of depending on the day, depending on the situation, and then Spire kind of after that, and, and then it kind of trickles down from there. Interesting thing about Topa, and then I know Brock probably wants to get into this conversation. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, here and you're here. I guess we're wait, here. Brock, you're actually Brock. You're actually here today. Yeah, Brock's here. Yes. Sorry, yeah, yes. oh. <laughs> forgot to introduce yeah. him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The thing yeah. I would say sure. about Topa is when you talk to him, which we did. How long ago was that, Brock? A couple weeks ago, week or two yeah. ago. You get the sense that he does not like that narrative of he's never really made it before and the Mariners fixed him, sort of the Paul Seawald narrative. What he seems to think, and just my gut and listening to him talking to him is, no, I've always had this. The Mariners might have helped bring it out and they trusted me, but I just got hurt a lot. And now I'm healthy and this is what I've always been. So I don't know. There's a kind of a cool little confidence to that. And then when Munoz is going great, there's some confidence. So you're right. This should be a part of the group I trust. But over the last three weeks, it just hasn't looked that way. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I think this is going to be very interesting if the Mariners do make it. Um, which of their starters goes to the pen? I mean, maybe because they're going to be in the wild card series and then they got to leap right into the division series, they're going to have all five guys ready. Uh, but if they start winning and are just lining up because of the days off, three or four starters, who would you want to see in the pen? Who do you think would well, it's be both Miller and likely? Will, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you get a chance to put both of those guys in there with their fastballs and what Brian Wu does to yeah. right-handers. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a complete well, game changer. If you, 
yeah, if you have to choose one of them, who are you keeping in the rotation? Who are you putting in the pad? I'm keeping Bryce in the rotation. Just from an inning standpoint, we looked at it today. Wu's yeah. already at 80 innings, you know, and, and he's been awesome. 30.2 shutout in the, in the last two and a half starts since his kind of meltdown in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think because of innings uh, and what Bryce has shown, and he too has been durable and reliable here through September, I think I'm probably putting Wu in there. I, th- I think that's reasonable. I wonder if Miller's stuff would play out better in the in the pen now. I think and they both play pretty well. Have, having having him as like, I don't know, man. If if you are if you get your starter through five innings and can go Miller six seven and then can go Topa Munoz Brash Topa Brash Munoz, however you want to do it, seven eight nine. Like, I got to tell you, I, Brock, I think I might disagree with you. And I, I, I think that there's some there's something to be said for for just the innings thing that they may not have much of a choice on Wu at some point. Mm-hmm. But I think that a Miller's done it before in the minors, unlike Wu and B, I think they have a, some concern about not knowing, not not allowing a guy who's been injured like Wu before to to up know and, and plan and out and when and he's yeah. going to pitch yeah. and get a full warm up and everything yeah. else. So yeah. I don't know which direction they go. Right. It's a, it's a good problem to have. And uh, I, who's interviewing who? By the way, does it feel like Jeff's interviewing? I don't know. Us? I mean, I'm eight minutes in. I'd like to ask Would Jeff you a question. T- please ask Jeff. Jeff, Can a question. I ask Jeff Take a question. Over this interview, Jeff. I get paid to ask good questions. Okay, <laughs> that's what I get paid to do. And I'd ask. I'd like to sure. ask you something. We asked Depoto last week, and we'll compare and contrast your answer to his in the final twelve games here. You have pixie dust, magic dust, and you can put it on one Mariner offensive player other than Julio because Julio's been red hot. And let's take JP off of it as well because he's been phenomenal. So the other seven guys in the lineup, you get pixie dust to, to rub on him and say, you get to be red hot for the final 12 games of the season. Whom are you putting that pixie dust on? Mm, boy. Um, I mean, I, I have to choose in this situation – someone who's been terrible lately. Um, so it's probably got to be Ty France. Okay. Um, One uh, extra base hit in the last like, 24 games. So that would be nice yeah. to see a few <laughs> I mean, more when, extra base hits. Yeah. Here's the thing. Julio, Julio exists in a perpetual cloud of pixie dust. So this does not apply to him. Um, Cal Raleigh feels like he's got, got some good pixie dust going on. Gino Suarez has been pretty good over the last few weeks. Um, and, and JP has been solid all year. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's gotta either be Tay Oscar or Ty France. And I feel like Tay Oscar has been enough producer in the second half of the season where he's yeah. going to pick things up. So, uh, I, I would give it to Ty France. What was Jerry's answer? I mean, there's so many of them that are going so good. You know, Julio and Cal, Teoscar, they have been otherworldly. JP, you know, really, I think JP is is sneaky. You know, he's going to surprise people where he finishes on MVP ballots. He's been that good this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the one guy that has been a little bit streakier, and when he goes good, we score a lot of runs, is Gino. And, you know, if we could get that that good run from Gino in these last couple of weeks and into the postseason, that's we know it, it's in there. We've seen it. We've seen it this year. And, and when he when he gets in that mode, it's it really makes our lineup a different lineup. 
Yeah, he went. Totally uh, fair. Yeah, he went. Yeah. Gino. It's funny, Brock. You changed the question a little bit. You asked Jeff, offensive player. When I asked Jerry, I didn't specify that. I actually, my answer was always going to be uh, Andres Munoz. Like, if you could get locked down, yeah. Andres Munoz at the back of the pen, that would have maybe even a bigger effect. But certainly, if you were to get Gino to hit a bunch of home runs here in the last twelve games, how much does that change these series against the Astros and Rangers? Totally reasonable question. Um, I, I I think when it comes down to it, as much as as we want to talk about the offense, um, the the Mariners' offense is always going to be a little bit spotty. At least the the 2023 version of it. Um, it's it's always going to be the question mark. I, I don't think them making the playoffs is going to depend on their offense. I think they're going to need to pitch their way in. And and I understand you got to score runs. You know, you're not going to win every game one nothing, but uh I I think the Mariners success has been dependent on their pitching all year long and it's going to to continue to be. And I I actually I was looking um I like the way it's lined up. Uh, have you guys seen how the rotation's lined up for the rest of the year? No. What what should we what should we be looking at? Um, so Castillo and Kirby are both going to be throwing three times over these last twelve games. So half of the starts are going to be going to Castillo and Kirby. That helps. It's what you want, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I want that, and I want to get into the Rangers bullpen as much as possible. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to be all that difficult these days. The way that their <laughs> rotations—they they just, you know, they're just very disappointing. Well, it's, it's all took how... shots. You know, we started the show with faith this morning, passing, which I loved. Like we started with faith, and then like, see, he can't even go six minutes without taking shots at the Rangers. I mean, he just he, he can't help himself. And, it's and a very it, local radio host of you. I wasn't even taking shots at the Rangers. I was taking shots at the people who were crowning Bruce Bochy oh, for completely fixing the whole situation that's after three months. Yeah, but, and you called him a pumpkin head or he something along those. No, lines. you remember those dum dum? Uh, remember, you know what dum dums are, Jeff? Like those old lollipops? Like lollipops? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's Bruce Bochy. <laughs> Bruce Bochy has a head that's shaped like a lollipop. He got a big head. He, no, he doesn't have. A, a big head. He has a legendary dome. I mean, he is, I believe he's a size eight and an eight, maybe. I know, I know he is at least an eight, but I think it, I think it's disrespectful to, to his yeah. body to suggest that it's a stick. Like Bruce Bochy is a, is a strong, it's true. hearty man. That's right. Um, That's right. You know, he, he was, he was a catcher. So yes, he does have, uh, a unit uh, on top of his neck, and and I, as as somebody who himself has a seven and three quarter size head, I'm going to Whoa. stick up for my large headed brethren wow. uh, and say that calling him a dum dum is yeah. not right. It's not right. I think Your head feels more large, top to bottom though. Like there's a lot, like from chin seven to the three top, quarters? from chin to crown. Seven and three quarters on 157 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm just walking and I fall. 
Yeah. I just fall down. The, way, the weight of my head just... Isn't that how you broke your back? To the ground. Yeah. You blamed a tree, but right. wasn't it really just a fall? Just I a, just a head-related fall. Head-related injury. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, uh, any correlation, just to get away from this race for a moment, any correlation between how much your organization wins in the minors and what they will eventually look like in the big leagues? There is is nothing statistically uh, that has proven winning in the minors equals winning in the big leagues. But do I buy that? Yes, absolutely. I, I think I think learning to win is a real thing. Uh, I think there's a difference between a winning mentality and a losing mentality and that when you spend enough time uh, in either, it's it's bound to rub off on you. So, yeah, I absolutely want to win games in the minor leagues, but the, the balance there is always about winning and development. And winning games in the minor leagues uh, is not necessarily going to translate to the big leagues if the stuff isn't there for the pitchers, if the swing isn't there for the hitters. Yeah. So, it's just been interesting uh, I, I watching Modesto and Everett here and, and, and Arkansas over the course of the last week or two and watching all these young Mariners, Emerson and Young and Fermello and, and Pete. And the, this whole group is all they're, contributing, it seems like, every night. They're, 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 they're dra- the Mariners draft this year was so good. I'm telling you, like Colt Emerson uh, might be a star. I think he's already the best prospect in the organization. And and that's saying something, because wow. I think Cole Young is good. I think Ty Pete is good. I think Johnny Farmello is good. I think Guerrero is good. Um, and you can go on and on. It's a, it's a very good farm system, considering where they've been picking. And that is the hallmark, gentlemen, of a strong organization. When you are winning and picking late in the draft and you're still crushing the draft, very, very few teams, like a handful, if that, of teams win and still manage to draft well. And and it's the teams that you aspire to be. The Dodgers, it's the Rays, it's Cleveland. It's these organizations that have sustained success. And and that's exactly what the, the Mariners are aspiring to be, an organization like that that uh, doesn't you know ebb and flow at the whims of how it does in free agency, but rather build something that year after year feeds upon itself. I got two last ones. We've got about eight minutes or so. We don't have time to play your wonderful passing time, personal time open here. I'm just going to get right to no, it. I heard you. I heard you had a question, though. I, I do. Quick. Oh, I do. Oh, All no, right, no. I, I got, we'll, we're just not going to. We're just not going to run your open of you singing. Here's here's my question. Ah, thank God for that. Yeah. Okay. Here is uh, here's my question. Three great food towns are in the race here in the American League West down the stretch. Best food cuisine: Texas, Houston, Seattle. Oh, Seattle. I'm not just saying that because I'm not just saying that because like playing to the home crowd. Uh, I've had some ridiculous meals in Seattle uh, over the last year. And they've all involved me going on uh, mandates with Greg Bishop, <laughs> just the two of us going and eating sushi. And, and it's been amazing. So Seattle all the way easy, like not even close. Can Greg eat much? Like uh, he's so slight. I would imagine that when Bishop goes out to eat, you get to like, once you've both ordered and eaten, no, then you he- get to eat the rest off his plate. <clears throat> 
Yeah, you know what the you know what the problem is. We're great. I'm I'm turning 43 this week. Greg's turning 44 next week. So like we're we're well into our 40s at this point. For the first time, and I don't even know how long, Greg has abs, and he's so proud of his abs, and it's nauseating. So yes, I do want to feed that emaciated uh, little little twig. Are they abs or are they ribs showing? Like which is it? No, no. I, I mean, he like he he works out. He's he's gotten he's gotten very strong. It's it's honestly like if I'm uh, if I'm just trying to avoid being a bad like it's impressive. Okay. I I, wow. I envy I envy the abdominals. I genuinely do. You heard in that Jerry cut his thought that JP is going to get a lot more votes or finish somewhere at least on yeah, some ballots. No, that's, that's yeah, that's not correct. <laughs> think he was trying to say that he was going to win an mvp just that he might be higher than no, people think I, I, yeah he, he might be on two ballots from the seattle chapter of the baseball <laughs> association but i i do not anticipate uh jp crawford okay. getting a whole it, lot of julio, julio's on the medal stand right with seager and otani in the al yeah i think julio's probably i, I think julio's probably safely third at this point, what if he goes because nuts in the thing. last in the last? What if he goes nuts in Houston and Texas, and, and they Seager win the American it? League West? What happens? Does he have a shot? Certainly, at being second or maybe even first. No shot at first. It's I mean, Otani is going to win. Otani going to win unanimously. Like that's done. Done. I'm fine with um, that. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Uh, I'm not. Dude hasn't seconds. even been there. Dude packed up and <laughs> left right. the team. How can you wow. win when you pack up and you leave your team? That was old Brock 14 years ago, by the way. If you would have done radio with me 14 years ago, that would have been a hot that, that's take. That's enough of that. That would have been a real hot take. Would that have been your take? Probably. Probably 14 years ago. One, sure. On our first year doing it together, Stop. the Mariners hey, played him, golf on an off day, and answer, Brock lost yeah. his mind. I didn't like that. Didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I've learned, okay? I've been seasoned hey, 14 listen, and a half that's, years. That's yeah. You gotta, you gotta find your feet. Yes. Julio and goes red I, hot. Julio goes, goes crazy, like he's done this year. He's had stretches this year where it's never been done in baseball. He goes red hot here down the stretch, and the and the Mariners go ten and two, including like I don't know eight and two, nine and one versus the Rangers and Astros, and they win the American League West. You're telling me he's not number two to Otani? Uh, I think it depends on how Seager plays in that series. They've got seven games head to head. I mean, if Seager collapses over those seven games and Julio goes off. And I think the the narrative there is going to be pretty strong, and you've got uh, war totals close enough where you can validate that. And and also, if if you want to make the argument, Julio's played for thirty five more games than Corey Seager, pretty good yes. argument. Um, yep. But Seager Seager has been when he's when he's been on the field, Seager's been the best offensive player in the American League and arguably in Major League Baseball. I'm watching this Justin Topa pitch over and over again. Thank you to uh, Seattle Zag, who uh, tweeted it over to me here. Uh, the uh, It's ridiculous. And Merrifield just kind of waves at Like, it's not even really a swing. It's just like a half-hearted wave. Dude, that's the thing. The reason that I chose that, I, I explained this in the story. It's like, there's so many great pitches now. It's difficult uh, for me to go base purely objectively, like I understand Mitch Keller's slider had 26 inches of movement compared to Justin Topa's 22 or whatever it may be. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me when I'm looking at the nastiest pitch of the year is the one that makes me go, oh, 
and Justin Topa, what he did to Whit Merrifield with that pitch was the biggest oh no I saw all year. Yeah, it's so funny. We see so much more of this now, right, with what Pitching Ninja does online. I mean, the, it yep. really gives you this sense. It's funny, though. Occasionally, I'll, I'll see a, a, a video from Pitching Ninja. It's like, unbelievable Justin Verlander backdoor slider or something like that. And I'll be like, oh, my God, he's filthy. And then I'll look at the box score and be like, Oh, he's given up three runs in five innings. Like it, it is one thing to show all the nastiness all the time, but if that's the only place you're getting it, it can be a little bit deceiving. Yes, it can. And here's the thing. Um, I mean, Matt Brash might be Rob Friedman, who's pitching ninja, might be like Rob's favorite pitcher. Yes. Right? Um, but but there were times where, where Brash, you know, earlier this year when the numbers weren't quite matching – uh, the the nastiness of the pitches, where it was like, okay, like let, let's let's see some production at some point. And eventually, you believed that the quality of the stuff was so high that it was impossible for him not to produce better. And well, it turns out that that was yeah. correct because that, you know he uh, that's why he is one of the best. Jeff, go you know take, what gave, you know what gave me that head. moment? You know what gave me that moment today? I had to mute myself, step away from the mic, yeah. and do that same reaction that Jeff did. When I learned the Passons a seven and three quarter hat, like <laughs> that is big. just uh, yeah. that's a that's a big head. I'm not gonna lie, that's it's a, it is, large. You know, that's it a is, dome. It is a it is a dome. <laughs> that's a, like, that's a significant a, dome. No doubt about it. Jeffrey, no doubt. thank it you. Like, when it we is talk like the King Dome, <laughs> when we talk, hopefully it hasn't been imploded. When we talk next week, uh, we will be right here at the end of things, just gearing up for a final weekend, etc. So, thank you, sir. We will do it next Tuesday. Can't wait. All right, there you go. Jeff Passan every week with us. Tuesday at 8.30, little replay Wednesday morning at 6.30. There's so much to get to in there, Brock. Let's come right back and kind of react because there's a few things that I think were very interesting. It's next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.